Hi, I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Today, we're traveling to the Amazonian rainforest, the largest remaining habitat for jaguars. But the Amazon is rapidly changing. For the jaguar, that means less space, food, and mates, and more contact with people. In a bit, we'll talk to the Director of Population Sustainability, Dr. Matisse Tobler, with the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance about the role of technology and jaguar conservation. But first, let's learn more about the only living large cat native to the Americas. Rick, jaguars are the smallest of the large cats, but they're the largest of South America's big cats. That's a bit confusing. Can you help us visualize their actual size? Well, Ebony, believe it or not, jaguars aren't the smallest of the big cats. Jaguars are actually bigger and bulkier than leopards, outweighing them by a few pounds. Now, of the big cats, only tigers and lions are larger. For example, male leopards can get up to 170 to 175 pounds, where male jaguars can reach close to 225 or maybe even a little more. But jaguars are indeed the biggest cats of the Americas. Pound for pound, the next largest cat in the Americas is the cougar, or sometimes called the mountain lion or even the puma. But let's pounce on the main question here. Let's talk about the size of the jaguar. They can weigh between 126 to upwards of 225 to 250 pounds, the males usually being bigger than the females. And from nose to rump, they usually measure just under four feet to about six feet in length. And if you include the tail length, then they're about five to eight and a half feet in length. And again, the females tend to round out the lower end of these measurements while the males are at the higher end of those measurements. Well, you have to include the tail. It's only right. Well, that's a lot of variation, Rick, from 126 pounds to 249 pounds. What's the quickest way to tell the big cats apart? Because I, for one, think leopards look almost identical to jaguars. Ah, yes, Ebony. The age-old question, did you spot a jaguar or did you spot a leopard? (laughs) Well, if you happen to be a world traveler, the easiest way to know is by location. If you are in Africa, Asia, or the Middle East, and you see a big spotted cat that could be a leopard or a jaguar, well, it's a leopard. We know this because jaguars do not live in those parts of the world. And if you see a big spotted cat in the southern parts of North America, Central America, or South America, well, that's a jaguar, not a leopard, because that's where jaguars live. And for those of you who are planning on visiting the San Diego Zoo, and want to be really good at spotting the difference between jaguars and leopards, simply look at the details of the spots. Jaguars and leopards both have spots that are made up of clusters of smaller spots. These are called rosettes. Although both cat species have them, the jaguar's rosettes have a spot inside of the circular cluster, but the leopard's rosettes do not. Another good way to confirm the species of cat you're looking at while visiting the San Diego Zoo is to look at the really cool sign on the habitat. There's always a lot of great information there. So, Rick, you mentioned rosettes. Um, 
Does the Jaguar's look serve a greater purpose? Does it help to maybe camouflage? How does the the tan or, or orange fur and, and the black rosettes that you describe blend in in the Amazon? Absolutely, Ebony. When you look at the native habitat of the jaguar, which can range from thick, dense rainforest to dry forest or, you know, shrubland and grassland, one of the first things you'll notice is the lack of one consistent solid pattern or color. You see, in nature, and especially in those environments, all of the habitats have these lighter and darker shades of color and light reflecting off some things and shadows created by others. Well, that coat of the jaguar helps to break up the body pattern or shape of the jaguar. It really is the perfect camouflage for them, and that's important when you need to be able to sneak up on your prey to survive. Oh, yes, the ever-present circle of life. So... How else are jaguars adapted for life in the tropical rainforest? Well, for one, Ebony, get this, they, they love water, which, you know, I think for us is kind of weird to think of a cat loving water. But jaguars are excellent swimmers and not just on the surface. In fact, they can even close their nostrils, which allows them to take that breath and sort of snorkel underwater while they swim. This allows them to cross streams and rivers with ease, but also comes in very handy when hunting for fish and turtles. Other notable adaptations, aside from their awesome camouflage, is their incredibly powerful jaw. Now, pound for pound, jaguars have the most powerful bite of all the big cats. This is due to how the jaw muscles are arranged and the structure of the jaw and skull, allowing for maximum leverage and power when biting down. Where most big cats will bite the neck or muscle of its prey to suffocate it, jaguars are well known to bite the back of the head where the skull meets the spinal cord, using its powerful jaws and sharp teeth to drive those teeth into the neck vertebrae and incapacitate the prey. This tends to be a faster way for them to finish the hunt, and that can be important if you're trying to catch prey in water. If it takes too long with the neck and muzzle bite, well, you might be forced to try and hold your breath for a long time while underwater. So some of their prey is underwater or on the water. You've mentioned this prey. Say I'm a jaguar. You know, what do I eat? What's what's for dinner? <laughs> well, honestly, Ebony, you know, jaguars are really opportunistic eaters. Now, they'll hunt and eat whatever they can catch, which is more than 85 different species in the habitats that they, they live in. Now, this includes deer, armadillos, monkeys, birds, iguanas, turtles, capybaras, and get this, they are really good at catching fish, but probably most impressive, they will sometimes take on tapers and caiman. Now, if any of our listeners don't know what those are, the taper is a relative of the rhino, and the caiman, well, they're related to alligators. And a capybara? Am I saying that right? Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm assuming everyone knows the capybara. So, capybara, here's your trivia. If anyone ever gets asked the world's largest rodent, it's the capybara. They're, They're bigger than a Labrador retriever, and they are a type of rodent that lives in South America. That's big. So thank you for the clarification because I I thought I knew the answer until I heard it and I was completely wrong. So I have more species to study. So Rick, jaguar's hunting technique is is different, I understand, from other big cats. What can you tell us about the way the jaguar hunts? Well, interestingly enough, Ebony, and I, I have to apologize, I, I'm not good at rolling my R's here, but the, the jaguar's name comes from Tupi Guarani. I'm sorry if I did that wrong. Uh, from their word, jaguar, which means he who kills with one leap. 
Now, jaguars tend to use a stalk and ambush technique. They have been observed stalking their prey from a distance and then hiding themselves in a position that is in or near the path of the prey. Now, they do hunt during the daytime, but this also works especially well for them at night as they do have great night vision and many species they prey upon have poor nighttime vision. But don't get me wrong, jaguars can run very quickly too. It's for short bursts and short distances, but sometimes that can be hard to do because of the thick, dense rainforest where they live. And I think it has to be mentioned just how intelligent these cats are. There have been many observations of jaguars at the water's edge using the tip of its tail to tap the water every now and then. That attracts fish to the shallows where the jaguar can successfully capture it. What's the benefit of hunting at night for jaguars? You mentioned their vision. Is that their greatest strength? Oh, there, yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of great benefits for the jaguar when hunting at night, Ebony. Uh, first and foremost, like most cats, jaguars have that exceptional low light and nighttime vision we're talking about. This, of course, gives them the upper hand, or should I say the upper paw, when hunting their prey. This is because a lot of their prey items do not see well at night, like we mentioned. So for the jaguar, they can conceal themselves even better when sneaking up on their prey. Another benefit hunting at night is that it provides better body temperature management. It can get pretty warm at certain times of the year in their native ranges, so hunting at night not only makes them hard to spot, but also makes them one cool cat. At the San Diego Zoo, how do wildlife care specialists recreate the jaguar's diet? That's one thing that's really great about what our staff does. At the San Diego Zoo, we offer a wide variety of experiences for our animals when it comes to engaging with their habitat. And the jaguars are included in this, of course. Some days they may have a, a carcass or a full sort of prey item to feed on. And other days, food is in smaller pieces hidden around the habitat or up in a tree. And I have to say... One of the more innovative things I have seen for the jaguars is when they give them live fish in the pool. And keep in mind, this pool is pretty big and deep enough for them to fully submerge like they would in a pond or stream in the wild. So our jaguars will slowly get into the water and stalk the fish, swimming underwater very carefully and grabbing the fish for a meal. It really is impressive to see all of the innovative and different ways our wildlife care specialists create these natural experiences for our wildlife at the San Diego Zoo. And since jaguars often live in dense forests and are solitary in nature, have they been found to communicate like other large cats? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, when it comes to jaguar, both the male and female jaguars roar, which helps them find one another during mating season. You can imagine that roar has to travel through these forested areas pretty well. And it's kind of interesting. It's not like you would think a classic roar like the lion that you hear or a tiger. A jaguar's regular call is sometimes referred to as a saw, as in like, you know, when you're sawing wood, because it does have sort of this raspy, back and forth sound that is repetitive like wood being sawed. Now, other sounds that the jaguars make include snarls, growls, and grunts, of course, you know, as normal cats would do. Amazing. Thanks, Rick. Next, we're talking to Dr. Matthias Tobler, a wildlife ecologist, to learn more about jaguars. But first, this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo. 
One of the current threats to the Peruvian Amazon ecosystem is intense artisanal gold mining, which uses mercury to extract gold dust. And unfortunately, that mercury is released into the environment and bioaccumulates in wildlife and people. Mercury can cause harm to reproduction and immune functions as well as the nervous system. Testing for the presence of mercury in wildlife can be expensive and challenging. A San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance scientist, Dr. Caroline Moore, has successfully tested more than 200 biological samples using the Runabout, a handheld mercury analyzer prototype developed by partner Pacone. This mercury monitoring at the Los Amigos Biological Station will continue with testing wildlife samples for mercury pairing genomic biodiversity and disease screening with toxicology testing. We've been exploring interesting facts about the jaguar. Now we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Matthias Tobler, a wildlife ecologist with San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. Matthias, we're so excited to get your take on the jaguar. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. So what does it mean to study the ecology of jaguars in the Amazon? So the Amazon is the largest habitat for the jaguar. And when we started this project over 15 years ago, there was really hardly anything known about the jaguar in the Amazon. So we were among some of the first who really went out there and tried to study um, the jaguar in the Amazon. And, and part of that is because the Amazon is such a remote place. There's so many places it's really hard to get to. And it's really hard to study jaguars there. So why is it important? The jaguar is the largest predator in the Amazon. So it means it also regulates a lot of the other species, the prey species, right? So for example, the peccaries, which are wild pigs that can live in groups up to 100, 100 individuals, those species roam on the forest floor, they eat fruit and they root up saplings and they really influence the, the regeneration of the forest. And the jaguar preys a lot on peccaries in the Amazon. So the jaguar regulates the peccaries and that again affects how the, fo the forest regenerates. The other thing about the jaguar is that it's an umbrella species. That means it's a species that uses large areas of habitat, it has large territories. And if we can protect enough intact forest for the jaguar, we're also protecting a lot of the other species. So we kind of use the jaguar as a focal species that helps us protect functional ecosystems and the biodiversity of the Amazon. So, Matthias, earlier we were talking about the, the jaguar's size and, and comparing it to, to other big cats. I understand for, for many big cats, including jaguars, there's a huge variation in size across their range. And, and habitat, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We see a lot of variation based on climate, based on prey availability, based on the actual habitat. So if a jaguar in the Amazon are generally smaller than jaguars in more open areas like the Pantanal wetlands, where prey density is higher, um, the habitat is open. And we see that with other species too, with tigers. Tigers in tropical rainforests are much smaller than tigers, for example, in a cold climate like Siberia. So. This is something we see through many of the big cat species. So can you tell us about the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's monitoring sites in South America? Yes, the, the work we do focuses on Peru. And Peru has the second largest population of jaguars after Brazil. And we work in an area called Madrios in southeastern Peru, which has really large areas of intact forest. Initially, when we started this work, 
we studied jaguars in protected areas to kind of get a baseline data on what a natural jaguar population looks like. But then we realized that a lot of these jaguars actually live outside protected areas. They live in logging concessions, in Brazil nut concessions, in areas where there's agriculture and livestock. So we really expanded our work and, and now we're looking at jaguar population across a large region and, and look at different land use types and different, different areas and, and really try to compare that and, and see how these different uh, management regimes affect jaguar populations. So what are you finding? One thing we realized is that well-managed certified logging concessions, for example, can provide important habitat uh, for jaguars and even protect very important jaguar populations. So, Matthias, are you saying that logging could actually be good for jaguars? Yes, not all logging is the same. So when most people think about logging in the Amazon, they think large-scale deforestation, people going in and cutting all the trees and burning down the rest of the forest. But there's a lot of well-managed logging concessions. And these are, these are companies that selectively manage the forest. They go in and, and cut out certain trees, but leave the remaining of the forest intact so that forest can regrowth and they can then go harvest trees again 10, 20 years later. So for these concessions, the company themselves have to manage the forest well, and they're actually certified for, for sustainable management. Um, there's a label called FSC, and the companies protect the forest from other people that would go in and, and maybe squat in there or just go in and hunt. So the companies themselves kind of serve as the protector of the forest. And we found that in these logging concessions, even though there are people in there extracting trees, there's a lot of forest that is actually not being managed during a certain year. And, and jaguars do really well in there. They use these concessions. There's a good prey base. And we have populations that are comparable to protected areas. So, Matthias, what's the jaguar's status in nature? The jaguar is classified as near-threatened by the IUCN Red List. That means the population are just declining, but they're not critically endangered. They're not at a level so low that we're down to the last few hundred individuals or anything. But we have to take this apart a little bit. So the jaguar's range is really wide. It, it ranges from the northern Mexico, and, and there's a few jaguars that even cross into the United States, into Arizona and New Mexico every once in a while, up to northern Argentina. So it's a very broad range, and, and the status is really not the same everywhere. So in Central America, the jaguar has lost over 80% of its original habitat, and the populations are very fragmented. Whereas in the Amazon, as I mentioned before, we have this huge habitat with really healthy populations. So the, this is a stronghold for the, Amazon, uh, for, the, for the jaguar, and it's really where the species still thrives. But the goal is to maintain that and, and to not lose more habitat. So speaking of that, when, when monitoring the, the jaguar in, in nature, like in the Amazon, what factors are considered? As we heard from Rick, the jaguar is a solitary animal and is very well camouflaged. That means we hardly ever see jaguars in the wild. I've worked on jaguars for over a decade and I've seen jaguars in a while, but it's not like you go out there and you can go count them. So we really rely on technology to study jaguars. Our main tool that we use to study jaguars are camera traps, or also trail cameras, which are automatic cameras that have a motion sensor and take pictures of animals that pass by. And with the jaguar, we have the advantage that their spot patterns are really unique for each individual. They're like a fingerprint. So we can use the spot patterns to identify individuals 
and actually count individuals based on the photographs we get from the cameras. Why do you count the jaguars? Why is it important to count the jaguars? Hey, it goes back to the monitor. We want to know what a population is doing. And basically, if we want to know what a population is doing, we need to get an estimate of their density or the number of individuals that we have in, in an area. So we can see if that is declining and we need to take some more conservation actions or if the population is increasing and the work we're doing is actually benefiting the species. How have jaguars um, responded to their their shrinking habitat? Did you say it was an 80% loss in recent years? Yeah, in some areas, we've really, they've lost most of the habitat, especially again in Central America, where we had large deforestation. What happens there is that really when human encroach on jaguar habitat, then humans and jaguars get closer together and there's often conflict. So jaguars start depredating livestock and domestic animals, or people are scared of jaguars, and and that often causes a lot of problems. So what changes have been made or, or, or can be made to improve the coexistence of, of local communities with the wildlife? There's a lot of misconception in local communities uh, of how dangerous jaguars are to people. The jaguars rarely attack people. It's extremely rare that a jaguar attacks a person, and it's probably more likely that a person walks through the forest and, and is hit by a falling tree or a fallen branch than being attacked by a jaguar. Still many people are afraid of jaguars, and whenever they encounter a jaguar, they kill them. So we hope to change the image people have of jaguars through our outreach programs. We hope to tell people about jaguars, their ecology, and, and, how, and their importance in the ecosystem, and hopefully change their attitude toward jaguars. Another common issue is that jaguars kill livestock. So we're working with communities and local government officials on developing methods to reduce livestock depredation through better protecting animals, um, putting them into enclosures at night, putting up fencing, finding other strategies of deterring jaguars from areas where there is or domestic animals or livestock. We also have to be aware that many communities throughout the Amazon have been living with jaguars for a long time. So this shows us that coexistence with jaguars is possible and, and communities do live alongside jaguars. So, yes, it is possible with the right tools. Matthias, it's been wonderful talking to you. Um, thank you so much for all of the information that you've shared. Well, thank you, Ebony. It's been a pleasure to be here and talk to you about jaguars. And thanks for listening. We hope you learned a lot about jaguars. Be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode in which we bring you the story of an animal sometimes referred to as the wolf of the Amazon River. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our sound engineer and editor is Amita Ganatra. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.